welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome, America. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to be with you today. If you want to call in and chat, we got a free-for-all today, 877-973-7425. There's a lot of news out there I want to get to, but I am very happy to make time for your comments and questions as well. Really, your questions. You know, your job as the audience is to ask questions that make me look good, just so you understand, but you're allowed to. 877-973-7425. If you email Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, uh, you'll get all my social media links and Substack and podcasts and all that. You should follow me everywhere so that I am ubiquitous to your life. Now, I have to I have to move on from the the coming red wave to something else. I probably shouldn't spend a ton of time here, but I am, just so you know. Because I want it on the record now, before the election arrives. And I need to step back and give you some history. In 2004, George W. Bush got reelected. This was one of those times Democrats declared an illegitimate election and claimed he had stolen Ohio and paid no price by the media. Bush then did two, three things he shouldn't have done. One was a rapid reform of Social Security. He hadn't really built a behind-the-scenes base of support within the Republicans for it. Though they controlled everything, he couldn't get it through and it burned him. He then decided to put Harriet Myers on the Supreme Court, his personal lawyer, and uh, conservatives had great doubts about her, and they turned on him. And he tried to get immigration reform done in ways that alienated the Republican base, and they turned further upon him. In 2006, Republicans were so disaffected, they sat home and put Nancy Pelosi in as Speaker of the House of Representatives the first time a woman had been made Speaker of the House. And then two years later, Barack Obama got elected in an economic crisis, and Republicans became so furious, they turned out in 2010. In the run-up to the 2010 election, Democrats were having town hall meetings, but they were largely avoiding going to their town halls. In 2009, I was running redstate.com. I was being interviewed by CNN for a job there, and I started publishing a calendar list of all of the Democratic town halls, where they were, how to get there, their address. And Republicans started showing up at these town hall meetings of Democrats, and Republicans were accused of violence. Mary Catherine Ham, who's now on CNN at the time, was writing at townhall.com, noted that of the, I think it was only seven arrests during the August 2009 town hall meetings where Republicans were railing against Obamacare and the Tea Party movement had risen. She noted that of those seven arrests, six of them were union activists uh, attacking conservatives. Only one was someone from the right causing trouble with the media, seated the ground that it was the Republicans who were violent and the Republicans who were bad. When Gabby Giffords was shot in Arizona by Jared Lochner, I was on CNN by then. 
and the media rushed to condemn Republican rhetoric. They attacked Sarah Palin. They attacked the Republicans. They blamed them for the shooting until it turned out Jared Lochner was not politically motivated. He was just a crazy guy. If anything, his politics leaned to the left. There was that time the guy flew the plane into the IRS building in Arizona and immediately the left pounced and said it was a Republican right-wing attack from right-wing rhetoric and it turns out it was actually a Marxist. There was the guy who took hostages at the Discovery Channel's offices in Maryland and a bunch of blue checks on Twitter started attacking the Republicans and saying, aha, it's you provoked violence, you provoked violence, you climate change deniers. And it turned out the guy was on the left and thought the Discovery Channel wasn't doing enough to advance Al Gore's mission of climate change. The media is very, very sympathetic to the left on these things. When a madman commits an arson attack or violence against those who work in an abortion clinic, it is front page news in every newspaper in this country and covered ad nauseum on CNN and MSNBC. 100 pregnancy centers tied to churches and Christian organizations have been firebombed, set on fire, or otherwise vandalized in the past few months. And the media doesn't even cover the story. Kermit Gosnell was a local crime story when activists began pushing the Washington Post to want to know why they were not covering the story. The Washington Post said it was a local crime story. Meanwhile, they were giving front-page coverage to Wendy Davis down in, in Texas, abortion Barbie, trying to filibuster an abortion piece of legislation in Texas. They covered for Democrats who stormed the Wisconsin legislature to try to block a right-to-work measure, Nancy Pelosi hailed them as heroes, telling them to do whatever it took to stop the legislature. They're still covering January 6th on TV. Floyd Lee Corkins walked into the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C., with a bag of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and a gun, he intended to murder the employees and stuff their faces with bigoted chicken sandwiches. Thankfully, he was stopped by the security guard. Floyd Lee Corkins was driven to do this because the Southern Poverty Law Center website called the Family Research Council a hate group. And he was inspired by that to go do that. The Southern Poverty Law Center still gets on television and gets sympathetic coverage as if it's some sort of neutral arbiter of facts in ways that conservative groups don't. And then there's James Hodgkinson, who attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress in 2017, nearly killing Steve Scalise, who's about to become the majority leader in the House of Representatives. When it turned out he was a Bernie Sanders-supporting, Rachel Maddow-watching, fan of the Southern Poverty Law Center, the media moved on after three days. And they deny it, and they say they do they, they did this the same way with everything else. But no, no, I was on TV during the Gabby Gifford shooting, and I assure you, it was much covered much longer, far less of an impact. She didn't die, thankfully. A judge did, though, and others did. But they went with it far longer, blaming Republicans until we found out about Jared Lochner than with James Lee Hodgkinson. 
I bring all of this up and I brought this history up before, but it's important to bring it up to draw your attention to something that's been happening. For the last year, two years really, Democrats have said repeatedly on TV, on radio, in newspapers, and on the floor of Congress that Republicans are a threat to democracy. In fact, I was on television last night with Bakari Sellers, a Democratic pundit on CNN, and he was blasting Carrie Lake and Blake Masters in Arizona that it was essentially beneath the dignity of America for them to hold office. They were clowns, he said. They weren't serious. He questioned their loyalty to the country, and he questioned how any voter could vote for these people given their election denialism. They're about to get elected. Kerry Lake, for sure, Blake Masters increasingly likely is going to get elected because they're focused on the economy, they're focused on jobs, they're focused on crime, they're focused on immigration, they're focused on what voters care about. Paul Krugman in the New York Times today is lamenting how gas prices could affect democracy. How dare those stupid voters be more concerned about inflation and the economy than our precious democracy? As I have said repeatedly, and we'll say again, history shows us inflation causes threats to democracy. And if Democrats really were worried about threats to democracy, they would not be doing all of their freewheeling spending, including a student loan bailout and all this other stuff they've done to drive up inflation. They would bring down gas prices by any means necessary, including drilling immediately, building as many pipelines as possible, get that price down as quickly as possible. You end inflation, you save democracy. But they are more worried about saving the planet than saving democracy, and they think if they do these things, we will all die on the planet. So they will exacerbate inflation and cause economic and political instability in this country, all to save a planet that will be saved anyway. The planet's not going anywhere. When Republicans killed net neutrality, this idea that the Internet was not just free and open, but that uh, ISPs, Internet service providers, couldn't slow down any traffic whatsoever on the Internet, couldn't make adjustments. It was a terrible idea. It largely has been done by both sides forever in ways that benefit everybody. The government wanted to get involved, drive up regulation. The Republicans killed it, and Democrats said people are going to die because of this. They actually made the argument, people are going to die because of net neutrality. When Republicans altered Obamacare and got rid of the individual mandate, defunded it, Democrats said people are going to die. And when Republicans passed tax cuts, Democrats said people are going to die. The people who almost died were 17 Republican members of Congress who James Hodgkinson attempted to assassinate. Those are the people who almost died because of those things, because James Hodgkinson, a madman, believed the hysterical Democratic rhetoric and tried to take action. And now the Democrats are telling people that this is the last election. If Republicans win, democracy is dead. Democrats are telling their voters, you've got to take action. 
Republicans are authoritarians. Republicans are tyrants. Republicans will defeat democracy. Republicans will start stealing elections. If we allow Republicans to take back power, our democracy is over, according to Democrats. Never mind we're a republic. They're going to lead their own side to violence in ways they claim Republicans provoke Republicans to violence. For the last year, they have pushed stories that the Democrats in the Homeland Security tell us Republican right-wing violence is on the rise in this country. They've pushed stories that tell us Republicans are threats to democracy. They've pushed stories that Republicans are violent extremists. When Republicans kept telling their voters over and over and over and over that this was the last election to get it right and they kept losing, the Republican voters finally got so pissed off they decided to nominate a bull in the China shop named Donald Trump who tore up the Republican Party as it was. Democrats are now doing to their voters what Republicans used to do to their voters, telling them democracy is almost over, the, the, the we're all going to die if Republicans get power, uh, we've got to stop them, do everything you can. And they're not going to be stopped. A wave is coming. A Republican wave is coming. Republicans are going to take the House and they're probably going to take the Senate now too. I'm worried the Democrats are provoking a violent response from their own side. And I guarantee you the media will give them a pass in ways they would never give Republicans. James Hodgkinson should be a historic anomaly, and I'm afraid it's not going to be. We have people showing up at Supreme Court Justice's house. We have one person who tried to show up at Brett Kavanaugh's house and assassinate him, and the media moved on from those stories as quick as they possibly could. They've moved on from the stories of firebombing abortion clinics. They've moved on from all of these stories because they heard a Democratic narrative the media wants to advance. The narrative that it's the Republicans who are the violent ones, the Republicans who are the extremists. And I'm afraid by giving the Democrats such a pass and moving on from those stories so quickly while playing up Republican stories, what they're going to do is inspire more violence against Republicans because it is the MSNBCs of the world and some of the voices at CNN and plenty of voices at the New York Times who have been telling us Republicans are authoritarian threats to democracy and they need to be stopped. They're not going to be stopped. So they're going to inspire some crazy person out there to try to stop them, and it's going to be on their head. It is easy to predict. You couple it with the environmental nonsense that the Republicans are going to destroy the planet and have to be stopped. You get the environmental activists involved as well. you got a bunch of nuts and fringe religious cults on the left who are going to take action. And how will the media deal with it? They'll probably ignore the problem. They will never accept culpability. But I'm telling you guys, if you're a Democrat and your rhetoric is Republicans or authoritarian tyrants who will take power and never give it up, you are sowing things in this ground that you will live to regret. And you may want to turn down your own rhetoric instead of lecturing people on the right about theirs. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington 
that's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. According to the left-leaning Texas Tribune's polling, Greg Abbott has now taken Beto O'Rourke by a double-digit lead in Texas. I told y'all that was going to happen. Told you so. 877-973-7425 is the number. Let's go to the phones real quick. Hakeem, you're going to be first. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, uh, real quick. Uh, when you take a dramatic event like Jim Crow, which the Democrats did, and you compare it to a lie, you don't enhance the lie, you diminish the truth. So I just don't wonder why uh, Herschel Walker or, or our governor has really brought that out, that you call it Jim Crow. And we know the atrocities that the Democrats did in Jim Crow. So why haven't they brought the fact that we're, we're busting records in our voting right now, something that y'all call Jim Crow? Yeah, yeah. so I will say uh, Governor Kip did, I think, in Georgia point that out the other day that uh, for all this talk about Jim Crow 2.0, there's been record-breaking early voting in Georgia. I will tell you just anecdotally, and again, I I talked about this yesterday, anecdote is not data. We should not take anecdotes and presume they're data just because me and my neighbors feel away doesn't mean everybody else does either. At some point, though, a lot of anecdotes do become data. But anecdotally, I'll just tell you, I put in my absentee ballot request two weeks ago, and I haven't gotten my absentee ballot. And I called today to find out what the holdup is. The lady said she was very sorry. They are understaffed that it has been, according to her records, put in the mail yesterday. I should have it, if not today, by this weekend. Um, But they are just, they've been swapped with absentee voter requests and they've been short-staffed uh, with people getting sick. The, where I am right now, the, a lot of flu going around. And uh, there is, people are voting early. People are voting early, and that's a good sign. Um, it, it, that Republicans are starting to turn out early in Georgia defies historic trends, and that's a good sign, too. So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not, they're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through, and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is. The fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified betting company ever. They use 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you 
fall for the coziest night's sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Bolin Branch sheets on every bed. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Holy cow, y'all. Hang on a second. I got to send this Charlie and Philip. Y'all got to watch this video I'm sending you. Good gracious. Uh, in Arkansas last night, a um, there was a police chase. They were chasing a suspect on a motorcycle. Um, they didn't know he had a can of gasoline in his backpack. Well, he jumped off his bike and started running. They gave chase, hit him with a taser. Well, he kind of exploded. Um, he survived. His clothing and everything went up in smoke. But good gracious, they get him with the taser, and he just erupts into flames. Wow. Uh, Darwin Award for the criminal there. Goodness gracious. Okay. All right. The phone number, 877-973-7425 to the phones. Jim has been waiting patiently. Welcome, Jim. Uh, hi, Eric. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I really, really respect your opinion because of your experience you've had with campaigns and things like that in the past. I am very concerned that the Republicans, all of us, are spiking the football on the five-yard line as we're getting ready to go in to score. So can you reassure me that I'm not going <laughs> to be shocked? I, I got to tell you, Jim, I started earlier as I was going into the commercial break say, oh, I need to I need to add that. And then it was like I was two minutes beyond where I should have been to get into a commercial break and still have time when I came back, so I didn't. But, yes, that's a good point. Everybody who's listening to Jim right now, uh, some of you share his anxiety that Republicans are seeing this massive wave building. It only actually crests and falls over the Democrats if you show up to vote. Uh, if you get really confident and decide, yeah, well, it's going to be so good, they don't need my vote today. And then your neighbor says, everybody else is going to show up. I don't need to. And then his neighbor says, it's raining. There's going to be a big wave anyway. I'm like, Guess what? The wave doesn't come, people. You still have to show up. That being said, I do want you to tur turn out matters. It's all going to come down to turnout. You're going to hear a lot of people, particularly political pundits, joking on Election Day. Well, Jim, it all turns out to turn out today to see how things go. Yes, it does. But what this is and what the polling shows, however bad the polling is now, there is this level of anecdote of people who are really furious. Really, really furious. And they are hell-bent on voting and voting as soon as they can. A lot of them just want to get it over and done with because they're furious right now with the economy and voting is the way they lash out at government. And so you do have to go vote. Do not sit home. But also be mindful of the fact that uh, you can, while you can talk yourself out of voting, most people probably aren't. Uh, Republicans don't get cocky. You do have to show up and vote to make it happen. But people like Jim who understand that, everybody else I think does kind of understand as well. You still got to show up. It's one thing to show you that uh, there's a wave coming and people are overwhelmingly going to go vote Republican. But if they all then decide, well, my neighbor's going to do it, I don't have to go vote. Well, then you screw yourself. 
You got to go vote. You got to go vote. And I think people are going to go vote. And people are going to go vote because they're angry. Now, my big question, I, I, got a, I got a big question. We were talking about this with Charlie and Philip and I. We were in D.C. for a series of meetings the other day. I can see a Republican wave building. Here's what I don't know. How will the media and Democrats explain what happened? Because you and I both know darn well they're not going to say Democrats went too far left. They will never, ever, they will never say Democrats went too far left. So will it be angry white men? Will it be angry white people? Will it be angry working class voters? Uh, Who will be the angry voter who costs the Democrats their power? Who will get the blame? Will it be voter suppression? That's what Stacey Abrams is saying down in Georgia, that just because there's a record turnout doesn't mean people aren't getting suppressed. I mean, what will it be? Or will they just decide voters are stupid, terrible people and Democrats should deprive the voters of their voting and get a new class of of voters out there? I guess they want all the illegal aliens coming in from Honduras or something. What's going to be? Because you and I both know darn well the media is not going to honestly and candidly assess that Democrats spent too much time on abortion and broke the economy. No, 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 no. Some set of voters on the winning Republican side are going to get Get the blame by the Democrats and the media is going to buy it hook, line, and sinker. I just haven't figured out what class of voter is going to get the blame yet. 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the phones, Duke, I'm going to go to you. Welcome. Duke. Hello, Eric. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I live in the Atlanta area, and I've been disturbed by some of the commercials that I've been seeing aired on TV about your neighbor will know how you voted. I don't know. Have you seen those commercials? I have not, but I'm familiar with the concept of them. Barack Obama pioneered them in 2012. Right. So how... I mean, is there any way for anybody to track how you voted? Because that certainly set a dangerous precedent. Yes. Okay. So great question, Duke. So here's what's going on here. Back in 2012, Barack Obama started an ad campaign in swing areas of the country against Mitt Romney. And what they did is they sent postcards. And the postcard was a map of the neighborhood. And it showed who had already gotten their absentee ballot and who was the Republicans in the neighborhood. And they were sending it to swing voters and Democrats saying, essentially, don't you want to stop Mitt Romney? Your neighbor's already voted and he's voted Republican. Now, how do they do that? Well, they can't tell you who someone voted for. There's no way to tell who someone voted for, but you can get patterns. If. If let's just take Duke, who was just on the phone. If Duke, every two years, shows up and votes in a Republican primary without fail and has done so for the past decade, and he's also going to vote in the general election and he's given money to the Republican candidate on the ballot in the general election, all publicly available knowledge, who do you think he's going to vote for? So the Democrats can say, hey, your neighbor there, Duke, he's going to go vote for the Republican. You better go neutralize his vote and vote Democrat. 
It's all perfectly accessible legal data. This, every secretary of state in the nation can show you who votes and who's primary, who requests the Republican ballot, who requests the Democratic ballot. It is public knowledge. You can't find out who's they're voting for, but you can figure out very easily their party preference. And if you take their primary ballot preference for a Republican primary ballot, you add into it their donations to Republican candidates, you are 99% likely to have identified a Republican. And same with the Democrats. You find someone who voted in the Democratic presidential primary, the Democratic general primary, and they gave money to the Democratic presidential candidate, the odds are 98, 99% that person's voting Democrat. I'm disturbed by the trend because it is designed to both scare some voters and incentivize other voters to vote spitefully. But it is perfectly legal for people to do. I suspect what should be done is to pass a law that says you cannot advertise who someone's political preference is in mail. But I don't think that's going to happen. And so right now it is perfectly, perfectly legal. Now, here's something you need to know. Uh, early voting right now in states. Normally, in years past, Republicans voted early and Democrats voted on Election Day. And it became um, a hallmark of the civil rights movement. You do have to understand and acknowledge in this country some racial history. Listen, I, I can make the partisan point and say it was Democrats who did it. I, I don't want to. I just want to acknowledge history. Uh, I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be partisan. I just want to acknowledge history. In the 1950s and the 1960s, if you were black in the United States of America, it was damn hard to vote. It was in the South, really hard to vote, but not just the South. There were other parts of the country as well where there were historic legal impediments put up to block black voters from voting. And so in the 80s and the 90s, black voters turned up in overwhelming numbers on election day and did not vote early. And the reason they did this was because it took them so long to get the ability to vote. They had the right and the right kept being denied them by white people. And they took so long to get it, they wanted to do it in mass and they would show up on election day. But in the late 90s and in the 2000s, things began to shift. Black voters would show up on election day. There could be problems with the switch to electronic voting. It wasn't intentional, although some people screamed that it was. It just got so overwhelming with people on election day, it could be hard to vote. And so what a lot of black churches around the country did is they organized what they called souls to the polls movements, where they would round up the voters in their churches and bust them to early voting locations and vote in early elections. And the pattern has reversed over time. Black voters, Democratic voters tend to vote early and white Republican voters now tend to vote more on election day. That's just the history. There has been this reversal over time where in the 80s and 90s, it was white Republicans had the greatest propensity to vote by absentee ballot. At the time, you also needed excuses to vote absentee. You couldn't just vote absentee. Over time, laws were changed that said you could vote absentee pretty much for any reason. All you had to do was apply. And over time, um, black civil rights groups 
understood that this was an easier way to get black voters to go vote on their own time. They would organize different groups over different days to make sure it happened, to make sure their vote was counted. And I need you to philosophically understand this. I realize black voters lean Democrat. I do. I don't want to deny that. But I also want you who look at this as a partisan thing to also understand that the history of voting in this country has meant that for black voters, voting is a pure sign of progress in this country. And black voters, I think more than most white voters in this country, take voting really, really seriously because for so long the institutions of this country conspired against them to prevent them, even though they had the right to vote, to have the ability to vote. And so they take it very seriously. And I frankly think everyone should be applauded for going to go vote, particularly those who historically have been denied access to a vote, even though they had the right to do it. We have seen, though, this dramatic shift over time from Republicans voting early and Democratic black voters voting on Election Day to black Democratic voters tending to vote early and Republicans voting on Election Day. What is remarkable about this year is how in states like Georgia, in particular, is the one I'm thinking of most right now, but also in North Carolina and other states where typically the black Democratic vote is surging into a large, large lead in early voting, the Republicans right now are at parity in a lot of these states. That is something that is spooking the Democrats. They're trying to spook Republicans by showing, oh my gosh, you've got this massive wave of Democratic voters in the early voting polls. But Republicans are pretty even right now with Democrats, which for the last decade has not been the norm that it is right now, suggests Republicans are getting more comfortable with voting early after all the absentee balloting and early voting reforms, and also that the Republican wave is showing up at the early vote too. And that's keeping Democrats up at night more than Republicans. And if that data continues to hold over the next week in places like Georgia, Republicans might become very confident Herschel Walker wins without a runoff. All they need is like three or four more days of early voting for this trend to continue. And then it becomes pretty much a lock that Walker can get this thing locked down. And that's troubling some Democrats. Now, I need to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because I love this device. I travel with it. Uh, what is it? It's an air purifier. It gets rid of the dust and it gets rid of the, the pollen that's floating in the air. Also the viruses and the mildew. I don't really use it for that though. I use it for one thing and for this thing, it works geniusly. It eliminates odors. The way that it cleans the air also traps the ions of smells. So if you have a litter box, or if you have a car where someone's been smoking in the car, or if you have a hotel room that has a musty smell or a basement that gets that damp, mildewy smell, you can plug the Eden Pure Thunderstorm into the wall or use a USB cable and plug it into like a, a one of the plugs in your car if your car has a USB outlet. Power that thing up and just let it run, and it will wipe out the odors. I've used this in rental cars. I've used this in hotel rooms. I've used this in my kitchen. Right now, you can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one to keep in your suitcase like I do, or put it in your RV, or you know how if you camp a lot, your tent can get that mildewy smell. You can keep it in your RV to help with the tent smell. Uh, what you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You will actually save $200, and you will get free shipping. It is EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Go take advantage of this great offer now. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. You guys, I'm delighted to have you with me. Can I just say, I just, I don't know. Every once in a while, I, I just, I sit here alone in my bunker studio and think, gosh, I love this. I love just hanging out with you guys. Uh, I, I, I do. I appreciate your phone calls as well, but it's just what a fun thing to do to be able to be here with you three hours a day. I'm, I'm, I missed those two days on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. I just don't like to miss. You know, for a long time, I never took vacation days, and they started making me take vacation days, and I resented it a little bit. But um, now I realize every once in a while I do need time off to recharge. But lately, every day that I've been off radio, except for I think two I was sick, um, but every other day I've been off radio has been for work, uh, hasn't actually been vacation days. It's just been work, um, but good productive stuff to make me more knowledgeable, to make you guys more knowledgeable. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, reach out to them, see if they can help your business grow. If you're buying a building, building a building, growing a franchise, buying a franchise, they might be able to help you. $750,000 deals and higher though. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. Anywhere in the nation they can help. FirstLibertyGA.com. Um, I want to spend more time with your phone calls. Here is my problem. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the calls online, and there are still a couple of phone lines available if you want to call. And I want to actually give the callers time to make their point and me time to respond without rushing it. And I've only got about a minute. So if those of you who are on the phones will kindly wait, I really do want to answer your questions when I get back. Uh, the phone number here is 877-973-7425. I do also need you to know that one of the pollsters I respect most in America has just texted me. And I asked him a question earlier and he responded, yes. Most undecided voters three weeks from the election tend to be white women uh, who live in the suburbs. That tends to be the number one class. Uh, the second largest class tend to be financial, financially motivated white men. Uh, black voters tend early on to lean Democrat. They might then move to the right over time, which we have seen in some polling. But most interestingly, white women who are waiting until the end of the election to make up their mind are overwhelmingly voting Republican based on economic issues. They have not bit the abortion bait the Democrats hoped they would. Those voters were already leaning Democrats and baked it in in August and September. The polling now that you are seeing in the surge of Republicans reflects a surge of undecided white women and white men who live in the suburbs that mostly impact swing districts. And that is why the Democrats are redirecting funds to districts that Biden won with 10% of the vote. They've given up on districts where Biden has won with five, six, and 7% of the vote. There you go. It's from one of the most respected pollsters in America. Uh, right there, his text message to me from break answering the question, uh, undecided independent voters overwhelmingly are women, and they are overwhelmingly breaking more than two to one for the GOP in the final weeks of the campaign. That explains the polling surge you're seeing.